try as best I can to choose songs that go along with the message. And that one that we just sang, My Wife and I, Does Jesus Care? We're going to see this morning from the passage of Scripture that we're going to be taking a look at. We'll see Jesus caring for someone uh, who had a great need. If you take your Bibles and turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter number 3. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 3. And for the benefit of those that will be watching by way of video, just mention I'm not wearing a tie because I've got a neck injury. And uh, uh, so I know it's unusual to see me this way, but that's the way it is. And we'll uh, get back to wearing them as soon as, our, as soon as the neck can handle it. But um, Mark chapter number 3, and we want to read verses 1 through 6 here. Mark 3, verse number 1 says, And he entered again, speaking of Jesus, entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto him, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil? to save life or to kill. But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth, and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. We see the man with the withered hand that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, helped in this instance. Now, I've never been to Jamaica, but folks who have been there told me that there's a popular slogan that's written on a lot of T-shirts and billboards wherever you go there. The slogan is two words, no problem, no problem. And the idea is to convey to the tourist crowd that Jamaica is the island of no problems. However, you only have to be there just a short period of time to discover that Jamaica is just about like every, every place else. Every place has its problems, doesn't it? Really, no matter where you go, uh, they have their share of problems too. And the truth is you won't find a country that does not have problems. Our country sure certainly has its share, but I thank God for it, even in the midst of all the problems. Amen. We ought to thank God for uh, the freedoms that we enjoy in living in such a land as we do. Now, a lot of people today are longing to have the perfect life. We would all love to have a, a family that is free from problems. Uh, but the reality is a perfect family does not exist. Uh, we know that we have problems from time to time, don't we? We all have. My wife and I have been married for 43 years. Yeah. The problems have been few and short-lived, but we, we thank God for being with us through all those things that we have gone through. But uh, this is not a problem-free life. And as long as sinners are involved in something, there are going to be problems because we are all sinners. Do you know the same principle goes for the local church as well? Many folks are looking for the perfect church, and they may go from church to church in their search for the perfect church, but there's a fundamental problem. All churches, including this one, is made up of sinners. They just are. 
You won't find a church that's not made up of sinners. And wherever there are sinners, there are going to be problems. In fact, the Apostle Paul, if you remember, spent a lot of time in his epistles addressing problems in churches. 1 Corinthians is, is a good example of that. The most carnal church, uh, I believe, that you find in the Scriptures is uh, the Corinthian church. And he, he had to correct some issues that were going on there. Now, any of us can try to adopt the no-problem attitude, but that doesn't make the problems of our life go away, does it? It just doesn't. In our text, we see that Jesus encountered some problems with the scribes and the Pharisees. And this was not unusual. The scribes and the Pharisees, we could say, were were Jesus' nemesis. (laughs) They were always after him, always trying to uh, find something to criticize with him. Uh, They didn't like Jesus. In Mark 2, the previous chapter there, verse 6 and 7, we find that they had a problem with Jesus forgiving a man's sin. And actually their problem was with the deity of Christ. See, Jesus can forgive sins because He is God. He's God in the flesh. Amen? And He could forgive sin. They didn't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh that had come down to man. And so they had a problem with Him saying, Thy sins be forgiven thee. We recently saw in Matthew chapter number 12, verses 9 through 14, and also here in Mark chapter number 2, verses 14 through 17, how that when Jesus called Levi, Matthew, we know him as Matthew, when he called Matthew to be his disciples, they had a problem with Jesus eating and otherwise socializing with publicans, that's tax collectors, and with uh, sinners. Uh, Mark chapter number 2 verse 18 through 28 shows that they also had some problems with all of Jesus' disciples. And when we're talking about, when we talk about Jesus' disciples, we're talking about the 12 uh, that followed him around. They had a problem because uh, they thought the disciples should be doing something that the disciples weren't doing. After those things is when we see Mark's account here of Jesus going to the synagogue. I like it that Jesus went to the synagogue. That was his custom. In fact, you'll read that in a, in a portion of Scripture that it was his custom to, to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he, he, he was stirring up some additional problems with the scribes and the Pharisees here just by his trying to help a man who had a problem. Think about it. Somebody having a problem that Jesus helped someone. That's bad, isn't it? I mean, uh, well, let, let's look at what we see, it says here in the Scripture. First of all, we see a man who had a woeful problem. There in verse number 1 it says, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. Now the word withered means that the man's right hand had become useless to him. If this man was right-handed, as the vast majority of people are, this would have been even more of a problem for him. You know, the Bible lets us know that uh, those who were in attendance were aware that this man who had the withered hand was there. They, everybody knew. They could see that he had a withered hand. I don't know if you've ever uh, seen someone with a withered hand. I know my, my grandmother on my, my dad's side had a stroke. And for 13 years, one side of her body was totally paralyzed and included one of her hands, one of her arms. Wasn't able to use that. Uh, when I was age 46... I had a light stroke. Thank God it was light. But I remember having difficulty using my right hand. It was, uh, wasn't was withered, but it could have withered up if had the Lord not chosen to touch my body and heal me 
from that that I had. But some of those people here that were here in the synagogue were scribes and Pharisees. And they were very much aware of this man's problem. And they were also interested to see what Jesus would do when he saw this man in this condition. Now, understand a few things before we move on here. This man with the withered hand, he had not given up on God. That was a good thing that he was in the synagogue that day. Amen? Because Jesus was there. He got some help from Jesus because he hadn't given up on God yet. He kept going to the synagogue even though his, his hand was withered. Uh, he was there just like he should have been. And think about this too. Had this man not been where he should have been on the Sabbath day, he would not have received help from Jesus. There's a lot of folks who maybe could have been here uh, today or been somewhere in church somewhere that could have received some help from the Word of God, but they missed out because they didn't show up uh, in the Lord's house. Now, the only sense that could be made out of this man's condition was that it was for the glory of God to be manifested through Jesus. He said, you know, why did this man have a withered hand? Well, the only thing that we know is that uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be magnified through the healing of his, his hand. Next thing I want us to see is we see some men who had a wicked program. There in verse number 2, it says, And they watched him talking about watching Jesus, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees were watching for any little thing that in their minds might be out of order in what Jesus would do in the synagogue on the Sabbath. That's some kind of attitude to come to the house of God with. Amen? That's a bad attitude. And so we see these men that had this wicked program you know, whenever any preacher stands up to minister in a church setting, uh, there can be at least four different kinds of people in attendance. In church, there are those who are receptive. Thank God for those. You know, many folks are, receive the Word of God. They're like the congregation in Berea. Uh, there was a church there in Acts 17 and 11. We read, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. You know, that's the way the Lord wants us to be. Receive His Word with a ready mind, uh, allowing Him to speak through our heart. What a blessing it must have been to minister to that crowd in Berea. They loved hearing the preaching of God's Word. One thing for sure about that congregation is that the preacher had better preach the Word. Amen? Because they were going to check him out. They were going to search the book and see whether those things were so. True ministers of the Gospel are indeed thankful to the Lord for those who are receptive to the Word. I know that because I am one. Amen? And I thank God for those that are receptive to the Word. Uh, another kind of folks we in church, there can also be those who are apathetic. Uh, these include those who, though they may come to church, do only uh, so out of a sense of duty. You know, they put in on their uh, check a mark, well, I made it to church today. You know, hope God's happy. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's some kind of attitude too, isn't it, to come to church with. Uh, now, when the message is delivered, these folks can largely ignore it because they have no intentions of changing because they view change as being something that's too hard for them. You know, you know let somebody else change. It's just too, more than I can handle. And the most that can be said of some of these folks is that they're just present. 
It's as if they believed that when Jesus said the words, Occupy till I come, that, uh, that Jesus meant just take up space on the pew. But that's not what he meant. When he said, Occupy till I come, he wanted us to take care of his business until he came. Amen. And many of these folks come to church and expect, uh, expecting that the Lord, they could not do anything, could not possibly do anything in their life. And they don't come praying for the Lord to do something for them. I, I hope that you prayed before you came today. And said, so, Lord, you know, I, I got a need here and I need, I, I need to hear from you. I hope that you will speak to my heart and life today. Many folks that are apathetic to the Word of God, they can become critical when they leave the church empty and when they leave without anything, uh, having received anything in their life. So you got those that are receptive, those that are apathetic, and then in church, there also are some who are doubtful. And it's difficult to preach to this crowd because they don't have any real faith in God or His Word. You know, um, you can preach about all the promises of God, but they doubt that God can do anything for them or really for anybody else. They, they would be the ones who might say, I'm, well, you know, preacher, I know the Bible says that, but you don't know my situation. Well, God does. <laughs> you know, God knows each of our situations. He knows the problems that you carry today. He knows the things that are going on in your life. Can I tell you that He cares for you today? He does. He cares for you. In church, also, there are some who are hostile. And that's what we see here uh, with these scribes and Pharisees. You know, the minister of the gospel will not see many smiles from this group. Won't be any amens. I mean, when, when Jesus healed this guy, it ought to be a... It ought to have been shouting glory. Amen? They ought to have been shouting glory in the church way that what Jesus did. <laughs> Is that what we see happen? No. When the Lord was on the earth, He often preached to those who were hostile to Him. We know the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, uh, and those that were negatively influenced by them. And even we read about in Luke chapter number 4, we, we read about G- Jesus' hometown, His hometown of Nazareth. I mean, they didn't have a whole lot good to say about Jesus either. And in fact, they ran him out of town when he when he did preach the truth to them. Now, many of these folks that were in the synagogue here, uh, especially the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, they followed Jesus from city to city, listening to every word that came out of his mouth, not because they wanted to learn something but because they wanted to find something they could use against him. They wanted to find fault with Jesus. <laughs> and what a sad way to be. And we know that the deacon and evangelist Stephen, remember him in the book of Acts chapter number 7, he preached to a very hostile crowd himself. And the fact they were so hostile, they wound up stoning him to death. Uh, but it didn't bother him any. He just went ahead and preached until uh, the Lord took him home. Those who are hostile are some of the most difficult to preach to because they're looking for something to take issue with uh, for their own purposes. And, and, the, and the Pharisees and, and the, the, the scribes, they were that way. They had a purpose behind all of this. Jesus was gaining popularity. They were losing 
some of their popularity because Jesus was preaching the truth. People were following him. They were getting healed. They were uh, getting their needs met. What a, what a great thing that was going on. And they didn't like it one bit. They saw that everything that Jesus was doing, that he was doing it through the devil. The devil had to be doing that. But no, it was God the Father working through his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, usually one will find a blend of receptive, apathetic, doubtful, and hostile people who make up a crowd at a church. But when the Lord came to this synagogue on the Sabbath, he usually would encounter some who were hostile toward him. Um, and that was true on this day. They were constantly watching him wherever he went to see if they could find fault with what he said and what he did. And they knew that he went about doing good. Now, that's a good way to be in it. Go about doing good. We ought to be found, as God's people, we ought to be found going about doing good. And because we've got Jesus inside, Jesus ought to be coming out in our lives, and folks ought to see that Jesus is uh, in, in us. Amen? <clears throat> and so, uh, he went about doing good, and on this Sabbath day, they were interested in what he would do with the, the man with the withered hand. They saw him with a withered hand, they saw Jesus come in the door, and they think, uh-huh, we're going to get him right here. We're going to get him right here. Because they knew that Jesus wasn't going to let that fellow leave with that withered hand. Why did they have a problem with it? Well, we'll see it, see it in just a minute. But we see not only the man who had a woeful problem and the, some men who had a wicked program, but thirdly, we see the God-man, the God-man with the wonderful power. There in verses 3 through 5, it says... Uh, there in verse 3, and he said unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he, he, he had the man stand there in the middle of the uh, synagogue. And it's not that Jesus was putting on his show, but he, uh, he asked a question here. He said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Think about it. You know, the, these scribes and Pharisees came to the synagogue that day looking to find fault with Jesus, and Jesus knew it, and Jesus still did what was right, even knowing ahead of time that they would find fault. Even knowing ahead of time. The scribes and Pharisees could find nothing good in what the Lord Jesus did because they weren't looking for anything good. They were eyeballing everything that Jesus did just so they could find something about him to complain about. And, uh, you know, people like that make life miserable for the rest of us, don't they? Yeah, I like to be around folks that are positive, don't you? Uh, you ever been in a church service when the Lord showed up marvelously in some way and then somebody there had a bad spirit and tried to put a damper on things of what was happening? Well, that's what we see here. In our passage, we see Jesus. He was and is the God-man. He's the Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah. He, he is and manifested the wonderful power of God. I want you to see his awareness. Uh, Luke's account of this story says in Luke 6 and verse 8, says, but he knew their thoughts. Talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. He knew their thoughts. That's not because he had ESP, but it's because he was G-O-D. Amen. <laughs> He was God. He knew their thoughts. And listen, God knows our thoughts today. Every thought. But that'll make you change what you're thinking about, won't it? Uh, it? 
it's probably a good thing that we don't know what's in the mind of some folks. We might think that we'd like to know sometimes, but I, I don't think it'd be good for us. <laughs> I really don't. We may not know what folks are thinking, but there's one thing that we can be assured of is that the Lord knows each and every thought that we have ever had. He knows what we think both inside and outside of the church, and He still loves us. Amen. God knew us before Jesus ever came to die for us on the cross of Calvary. And He loved us still. What amazing love. What amazing grace that we see with our God. We see His awareness there. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching Jesus like a hawk. They were thinking about how they could trap Him with His words. And the Bible says He knew their thoughts. They were guilty of stinking thinking. (laughs) Amen. Uh, We see not only His awareness, but we see His actions. We see Jesus' actions. Jesus was aware of the scribes and Pharisees' thoughts, but it did not keep him from doing what needed to be done. This, this man with a withered hand needed help. What was Jesus going to do? Act like he wasn't there? That's not my Jesus. Jesus knew the problem that he had, and he knew that he had the ability to help him. And Jesus acted publicly. There in verse 3, when he told him to stand forth, uh, Luke, Luke's account in Luke 6, 8 says, He said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Now the scribes and the Pharisees did their evil in secrecy, but Jesus acted openly. He helped folks openly. Jesus knew it was the Sabbath, and that's why he was in the synagogue. He saw the man with the withered hand, he asked the man to stand where everyone could see him, and the man complied. And then we see that Jesus acted purposefully in his life. The, the Lord always has a purpose in doing what he does. A lot of times we may not understand the way that God moves. So why did God allow this to happen? Well, I can tell you that, you know, God has a purpose in all that comes our way. Even those of us that are believers, Romans 8 verse 28 says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And, and so even uh, though things may not appear to be going our way, God's going to work it out to our, our good. Jesus knew what everyone was thinking here, so He could... You know, as I said, he could have pretended not to see this man with a withered hand and, and not done anything, but instead of doing that, he did what they were hoping that he would do. He healed this man on the Sabbath. Now, what was the purpose for Jesus doing this? It was to show them that people were more important than the rules of religion. <laughs> That's right. These, these religious leaders had rules of their own that didn't come from God. And they were instructing people to, do, to observe the things that they had um, made up themselves. And we need to remember that the Sabbath was set aside as a day of rest and worship for God's people. They had six days to work, but on the Sabbath they were to cease from all work activities and use the Sabbath to worship God who had so richly blessed them and to rest from their labor. Now the problem was that along with the commands Uh, of God for this day, the scribes and Pharisees had added their list of do's and don'ts. 
well, you can do this, but you can't do that, you know. And when they got through adding their list to what God had commanded, the day became more important than the people. That's not the way that God wants it to be. People are more important than the day. Jesus said in Mark 2.27 here, the Sabbath was made, look in the previous, previous chapter there, the next to the last verse there. He said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man, talking about himself, is Lord also of the Sabbath. In other words, um, he can do what he wants to on the Sabbath. He's the one one that that made it. And so, to the scribes and the Pharisees, it had come to the place where observing the Sabbath was more important than helping people. It's very easy to put religious things in the wrong place. God's day is for God's people. I mean, it is. And uh, look at how the Lord responded to them there in verse number 4. He, he asked the question. He said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to, to do evil, to save life or to kill? But notice, they didn't say a word. They held their peace. He, he asked the question and nobody was answering. The answer should have been obvious. Mark's account here gives us a look into the heart of Jesus as he observed these heartless people. There verse number 5, the first part of the verse is, And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Uh, that's when he went ahead and healed the man. We see the outward things, but Jesus, listen, sees the root of the problem. The root of the problem here was hard hearts. The hard hearts of the, of, of the Pharisees. It's interesting that Matthew's account says that they asked Jesus a question also. Matthew 12, verse 10, here's the question of the Pharisees. And behold, there was a man which had his withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath days that they might accuse him? See? They were wanting him to, to they wanted to catch him in, in violating one of their rules with that, which they thought was imported as the word of God, but it wasn't. On that occasion, Jesus answered their question with an illustration and an answer. Matthew 12, verse 11 to 12 says, And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. And Now, Jesus knew what they would do if they had a sheep. He probably had in mind that there was probably some of those uh, Pharisees there that that very thing had happened to them, and he knew what they did. But we see that Jesus acted powerfully there in verse number 5. When he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Now, let's pause here. He's on to stretch his out. Now, if you if you are if you have a withered hand, you can't stretch it out unless it's being made whole. Okay. In the, in the act of, of stretching it out, it was restored by the Lord Jesus Christ. He he had to be obedient to the Lord. So, if he had not attempted to stretch it out, would the healing have taken place? I don't know. But the Lord wanted him to. He, he had to be obedient to the Lord here. 
And he told him to stretch it out. And the Pharisees viewed that healing on the Sabbath as a violation of the law. And Jesus viewed it as a show of mercy. Appropriate any day of the week. Amen. Showing mercy is good any day. We ought to show mercy, hadn't we? Jesus did what was right. Healing this man. So, <clears throat> what does this story from Jesus' life and ministry teach us this morning? As we draw to a close here. Number one, what can we learn from the man with the withered hand? First of all, we all have problems that need the touch of Jesus. Amen? You may not have a withered hand here this morning, but some of you got some things going on in your life that you need the touch of Jesus. Amen? It may not be in your physical life. It may be. I don't know. You know, I know I need the touch of Jesus just as much as anybody in here. And uh, listen, we all have problems that need Jesus' touch. And second thing, we, we need to draw near to God in spite of our problems. This man came to the synagogue. He's near the things of God. The, the Bible says in James 4, 8, draw an eye unto God and He will draw an eye unto you. Amen? He drew near to God coming to the synagogue and Jesus said, I'm going I'm to take care of that arm for you. And He healed him. And so, we, uh, a third thing here, we need, to, we need to be blessed. We need to be where we can be blessed by Jesus. Amen? We need to be where we can be blessed by Jesus. Don't miss out on Jesus' blessing. When Jesus speaks, we need to listen and be obedient to Him. Be receptive to God's Word. Amen? Sometimes the only sense that we can make out of problems in our lives is that they are there for God to get the glory out of them. So when He takes care of those, are you giving Him the glory? See? When God does something great in your life, you say, glory to God, let me tell you what God did in my life. <laughs> yeah? That's what we need to be doing. Amen? So, we can learn from the man with a withered hand. What can we learn from the scribes and the Pharisees? Well, just because we're religious doesn't make us right. That's right. We need to be careful about how our attitudes affect ourselves and others. And we need to be more concerned about the truth than about our own position and preconceived ideas. And then last of all, what can we learn from Jesus? Listen, we can learn about His care for us. Jesus knows our needs. And Jesus can meet our needs. The greatest need that anyone has is the need of salvation. You need salvation for your soul. Do you know Christ as your Savior? You know, Jesus came. When He came, He knew ahead of time what the scribes and Pharisees were going to do. In fact, He knew that they were eventually going to be bringing Him uh, to trial. And they were going to be, uh, uh, as we would look at it, they would be the cause of, of Him going to the cross. Now we know from God's viewpoint, Jesus came to go to the cross for us. Now, yeah, Yes, they, they're, they're guilty of, of what they did. But Jesus, in order for them to do that, Jesus had to allow them to do that. He willingly went to the cross to pay the price of our sins so that we could have salvation. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the question is, uh, who's going to pay for your sins? If, if we pay for them, we get to spend eternity in a very bad place. But if we allow Jesus has already paid for them, and by faith we reach out to Him 
by grace through faith, we can have Him in our lives. Jesus knows our need this morning. He knows your heart. And Jesus can meet our needs. We can learn about Jesus' care for others. Jesus had compassion on those with needs, and so should we. You know, those of us that are His children ought to have, be people of compassion who look on the needs of others. Jesus did good on the day of rest and worship, and so should we. Jesus did what was right, even when it wasn't convenient. This was not the convenient thing to do. He did it in the midst of opposition and criticism. And listen, don't be afraid to do right, even if you don't get criticized for it. Just do it. Do, do right because it's the right thing to do. Amen? And then Jesus committed Himself into the hands of His heavenly Father. And so should we. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judges righteously. I'm so glad that Jesus on that day did what was right. He did the right thing. And listen, He wants to do the right thing in your life too. You got your need? You're in this house today. You've come. Has the Lord put a finger on something in your life He wants to help you with? Uh, why don't you look to Him today? Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank You for all those that came out this morning. What a blessing it is to have Your holy book. And Lord, to, to have this excerpt out of the life of Jesus Christ our Lord and to know of His care and to know of His uh, working and to know, Lord, uh, that he can, do, he can and will do the same for us uh, that have needs this morning. We know that the Word of God invites us to cast all of our care upon Him, for He cares for us. Lord, help us to do that today. Lord, help us to see if the, 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 the biggest problem that anybody has is to be living life without Jesus as a part of their life, without having the gospel having touched their life. The gospel being that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Lord, we know and we believe that Jesus paid the price of our sins and that He, he arose that third day. Now He lives. He lives on high. And He still cares. In fact, he, he, He's at, at the right hand of the Father making intercession on our behalf. And we can come. We can boldly come to the throne of grace that we may be able to find help in time of need. Lord, help us today. And Lord, if there's one that needs to come today, give them the courage to step out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please.